What is going on you guys? Welcome to Beyond the Buckle and this new series that we have just started that we're planning to launch every Sunday, which is going to be entitled The Week That Was. Now, what this series is going to cover is basically everything that happened that prior week in the wrestling world. So we're talking Raw, we're talking NXT, we're talking AEW, we're talking SmackDown. Everything that has happened in the wrestling world this week, we are going to try and cover. So let's get straight into it. Let's not hesitate. Let's do this. Now, this week was the first week back for everyone basically since the unfortunate passing of Japanese wrestler Hana Kimura. And something that I do just have to point out at the start of this episode is that during SmackDown this week, uh, you would have noticed if you have watched the show that Sasha Banks actually wore a uh, Hana armband with, with the word Hana around it. And also Big E and Kofi Kingston from The New Day decided that they'd do the same kind of thing, but for Shad Gaspard, who unfortunately passed away the week prior. So obviously this is still quite raw to all the wrestlers and the wrestling community. So it is very good and heartwarming to see the amount of support that has been thrown behind it. So I really respect that, and I had to put that out there in the first part of this episode. But let's get straight into it. Now, Raw was the first show that took place this week, Monday Night Raw, start of the week, let's get into it. First match that I really want to talk about was Andrade versus Apollo Crews. Now, this wasn't a very long match, but it was that good because Apollo finally won his first title in the WWE since he has, since his inception in the WWE, and I think this is way overdue. I've been a massive fan of Apollo Crews for a long time now, and I think that he should have won gold a long, long time before now. But the fact that he's finally reached his his dream and to to get a major title in the WWE is just awesome, and I'm so stoked for him, and he 100% deserves it. And I think that this is going to be a really good reign, and I hope WWE don't ruin this because they can build him up as a major major player in the US title card picture. So I'm happy for this to go on for as long as possibly can be. And the second thing that I really want to talk about in this episode of Raw is that the crowds were back. This was the first week that WWE has had crowds back. Now, AEW has been doing this for weeks now and has had the wrestlers at ringside, but WWE have finally cottoned on and have finally put some audience back in. So all the NXT wrestlers, uh, the up-and-comers, the trainers at the Performance Centre, something that I do have to say that was pretty cool to watch was uh, Indy Hartwell in the crowd. Having watched her at Melbourne City Wrestling a lot, uh, it was pretty cool to see how far she's come and to have her in the crowd was was pretty cool to see. And the thing that really got me with the crowd was that they were put behind Perspex Glass. Now, they had... Perspex glass up basically over the barricade with the whole COVID situation and all this sort of stuff. And they had them all spread out 1.5 meters apart from each other. And I just, I had to laugh a little bit at that 
purely because you then watch AEW and the crowd and they're still mingling and they're still next to each other. There's no perspex glass. There's nothing like that. And it makes me question whether or not WWE are just doing this all for show because I wonder how often they're testing their talent for COVID because in AEW, they're testing every day, every show, you have to get tested before you go in. And if you do watch the shows, you may notice that they have uh, pink pink wristbands on, which is obviously the sign that, that you've been tested and you're good to go because the majority of the wrestlers you will see and Tony Schiavone and all those guys actually have the pink wristband on. So it makes me wonder if WWE is just doing this for show and whether or not they actually do care about the whole COVID situation or whether or not they're just it, – it just seems a little bit confusing to me, especially after watching the crowds at AEW. But, you know, that's that. The next segment that I really want to talk about was the Ray Ray Mysterio's retirement being announced. Now, next week, Ray Mysterio is set to announce his retirement. And personally, I think this is going to turn into another Mark Henry situation, and it's just – a trick and you you fall into the trap of believing that Rey Mysterio is going to retire and bing, bang, boom, he's he's good and ready to go again. So I don't necessarily believe it and I think it's, it's either going to turn into a Dominic heel turn and Dominic turning on his dad and, and joining uh, Seth Rollins and Austin Theory and Murphy as a faction, uh, which I'm not going to lie, I'd kind of like to see that, but... It's either going to be that or it's going to turn into a faction with him and his dad and it's going to lead to a retirement match down the line. But I don't see Rey Mysterio actually properly retiring this week and I think it's going to be a worked angle. And I'm keen to see how it plays out, but I just don't want it to be the crappy old-style WWE booking where, ha-ha, this is a swerve, we got you, uh, and all sad, soppy, all that kind of stuff. If you're a true fan of WWE and you've watched it for years and years, you'll know you'll know what I'm getting at. So then we have the women's match, which was Charlotte versus Natalia versus Nia Jax. Now, this was a pretty good showing for all three women, I think. And and it was probably Nia Jax's best match since she's returned from the injury. And as I say, they all had a good showing, and I think that it really bought them all up like obviously Charlotte's already at the top of the division and all that kind of stuff but they each had that equal showing it wasn't just about the one the one woman so I really liked that fact and the aspect of that so that's all I really wanted to touch on with Raw they were pretty much the only memorable moments now I haven't been watching a whole lot of WWE lately and I've only really just started getting back into it so I, it's really hard for me to get invested in the storylines with WWE at the moment just because of some of the terrible booking decisions that have been made in the last year or so. And even still to this day, there's terrible booking. And it just, as a fan, it just makes you lose passion. And it's, it's very hard to then get that passion back. So I'm trying my hardest, but they were pretty much the only memorable parts for me of Raw. 
So then we move into the next show of the week, which is uh, Wednesday night. Now, this is the Wednesday night wars, pretty much. This is NXT versus AEW. Now, NXT, I'm not actually, I don't, I don't tend to class NXT as WWE booking so much because it's, to me, it's completely different and you have different people running the NXT booking versus the main show. And I really like that because the NXT stuff is fresh. It's actually decent booking. It's good matches. It's great talent. It's everything combined. So I don't like to mix, say, the Raw and SmackDown and put it in the same basket as NXT. I like to talk about them as as different brands, which is what they are and, and what they rightfully should be. So I'm still a, a pretty big fan of NXT and I really like what they're doing. So the first point that I want to talk about with this episode is the announcement of uh, Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream for NXT TakeOver in your house. And they've announced that it's it's going to be a match at a special location, which to me gives the indication that it's going to be a cinematic match. And as I've mentioned on previous episodes, I love cinematic matches and I love the route that they're going with with the cinematic matches and what they're doing and what they can actually achieve with them. So I'm actually pretty excited for that. And honestly, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that the stipulation's been put that that if Dream loses, he doesn't get another title shot. Because it seems to me that they're either building up for for Dream to be called up to the main roster or Adam Cole to be moved up to the main roster. And it's rumoured that Adam Cole, well, it's not rumoured. It's a fact that his contract runs up in, uh, in the summertime. So that's not too far away in America. And it's either going to be that he gets called up to the main roster and gets a contract extension, all this kind of stuff, or he leaves the company, which I don't see him doing. But obviously there's the rumors where he goes to AEW to join Britt Baker, DMD, who's his girlfriend, and yada, yada, yada. But I, the way they built Adam Cole in the Undisputed Era up, I don't see that happening. So it's either going to be one of the two. One of the two is going to get called up, in my opinion, and I'd honestly prefer it to probably be Velveteen Dream so that they don't split up the Undisputed Era unless they're calling the entire Undisputed Era up. But then again, it's it's hard to determine because I don't really want anyone to leave NXT because honestly, when you leave NXT, the majority of them get buried. And I don't like to see that with, with the majority of the talent. So we'll see where this match goes. Uh, but... I'm excited for the cinematic aspect, but who wins? I literally have no idea, but I have a very strong feeling that it is going to end in a call-up. So we'll see who that'll be, and hopefully in a few weeks I'll be able to tell you guys whether or not that actually happened. Now, you also had Chelsea Green come out as uh, Charlotte Flair's mystery opponent against Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Now, I like this pairing, and I think think that they could do good things with this pairing. Um, they both seem to have the same kind of character to me, and they can build Chelsea Green up really good with this. And in a segment on WWE.com after NXT had aired, you actually saw that Chelsea Green 
pretty much fired Robert Stone. Now, Chelsea Green was part of the Robert Stone brand and Robert Stone was the manager, basically did everything for her. And since the match happened, he she fired him on the spot. Now, whether or not this is a work, I don't know. Uh, whether or not it's just a little bit of a joke or a gag segment, I guess we'll find out next week on NXT. But honestly, I think Chelsea can do great things. And to have her paired up with Charlotte every now and then will probably just elevate and boost her career. So again, the match wasn't that long. It wasn't it wasn't that big of a deal. But to have them win, I think it was a very, very smart move. And then you had Shotzi Blackheart versus Raquel Gonzalez. And this whole thing with Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, and Shotzi and Raquel. It's a good angle, and I enjoy it. But there was one spot in the match where Shotzi went for a coffin drop onto Dakota and Raquel, and she she overshot it. And honestly, I thought her neck was broken, and I thought she was gone. It is it is quite daunting to watch because when when you watch it, you just see her end just that little bit too far over the shoulders of Raquel and Dakota. And it just, she just lands so badly on her back and her head. And it really scared me, to be honest. But she got up, she continued the match. She finished all is well, I assume. I haven't seen any injury reports or anything like that. So hopefully she's all good. Hopefully nothing bad happened to her. But man, that was a scary, scary point in the match. And the big the big feud that's been going on at the moment is Carrying uh, Cross versus Tommaso Ciampa. Now I'm I'm quite invested in this. I like I like this because you've got two utter badasses that just want to tear each other apart, and I feel like that's what the match at Takeover in your house is going to be. It's just going to be an absolute slugfest, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's been built up well. I think Scarlet plays quite a big role in this, and and has done so well already in the short time that they've both been on NXT. And as I just say, I'm I'm really excited for it all. But I don't see the need for the jobber matches. Uh, he versed Leon Ruff this week, he being Tommaso Ciampa. And it was basically just a squash match. And I don't think that needed to happen as a part of the story. I think they can still just cut the promos and be, be done with it. But, you know booking is booking I don't have control over that you gotta roll with the flow don't you so that was NXT and the show that they go up against AEW Dynamite now I'm a massive AEW fan purely because of the fact of how refreshing it is and to have a different product out there to watch that has booking and creative freedom that it's just such a refreshing feeling to watch something different. And there's so many talking points about this episode that I could go through. I'm not going to go overboard on this, but the main ones that stood out to me, the first one would be uh, Matt Hardy and the Young Bucks versus Joey Janela and Private Party. The match started with a vignette of uh, the Young Bucks backstage with Matt Hardy and they asked him to basically be someone else. And he came back 
and he came back in his version one outfit and then he came back in a different outfit and and he he referred to the boys as wanting to go out there and be spot monkeys for the night which is a nice touch because obviously quite back in the day they were known for being spot monkeys, they being Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, the Hardy boys, and all the spots they do off the ladders and swanton bombs and all that kind of stuff. And Matt Hardy has gone into detail about that before. But I really like that touch. And they actually went out there and had a great showing, like a really, really good showing. And Matt just looks better and better with age. The The creative freedom has really given him a new life, I feel. And... He's just he's back to the old Matt Hardy that that we all know and love. And at the end of this match, we had the much anticipated debut of FTR, which is now known as Fuck the Rest. Now they used to be the revival back in WWE, and it's been rumored for quite a while that they were going to join All Elite Wrestling, but nothing had been confirmed. And this week they finally turned up and I can just imagine if there was a crowd, the pop that they would have gotten. Honestly, I marked out for it. I I absolutely loved it. I love the revival now known as Fuck the Rest. Um, I can't wait to see what they do in AEW because I feel like they're really going to build up the tag team scene and the Young Bucks versus... FTR is just going to be one hell of a match. Whenever it happens, it may be a month down the line. It may be a year down the line. To me, it doesn't matter because I know it's going to happen. And the day that that happens, it is going to be one hell of a match. And I cannot wait for that. So really excited to see what FTR can bring to AEW and what they do bring to AEW. And we'll find out over the coming weeks. Now, you also had Britt Baker come out and do a segment on her current knee injury. So she's got a broken tibia, which she she she, uh, she sustained a couple of weeks back, uh, or a week ago, more like it. Yeah, just before uh, Double or Nothing, which, which is suckish because Britt's on quite a roll, I feel, at the moment, especially with the heel run that she is having. But she has made such good work of this injury and has used it to her advantage. And she came out and had this conspiracy theory about what what was going on and who to blame. And it ended with Aubrey being the main suspect. Aubrey Edwards is a current AEW referee and she seems to be in every spot where Britt gets injured except for the actual injury that did occur, which go figure. So... But she played that really, really well and actually played that into the story uh, of of the whole injury. And she came out in a wheelchair and on the back she had role model, spelled R-O-L-L, model. And her current gimmick is that she is the role model, R-O-L-E. And it was just amazing to see how she can make that spin on things and just solidify herself as this bitchy, arrogant, cocky heel. And I am an absolute sucker for a good heel. And I think that Brit is doing such an epic job at the moment. And I really cannot see, wait to see where this, this heel turn leads. And a little bit later in the episode, we had SCU being uh, 
Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. Now, going in, you would have been likely to say that SCU would be the favourites for the title shot. That's something I forgot to mention, that this was for an AEW Tag Team Championship title shot next week on Dynamite. So SCU, being a tag team for so long, you would have thought that they they would have been straight in, pretty much a squash match, straight into the championships. But funnily enough, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc pulled off the win, and it was actually quite a good match, and it had such a good showing for them. I like the teaming of Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, and I think it can go a long way, especially with Penelope Ford as the manager. So it's going to be interesting to see how the match plays out next week against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. But I'm I'm honestly keen to see it, and I'd like to see I'd like to see the upset. I'd like to see Sabian and Havoc win. I don't think that's going to happen, but I'll. Trust me, I'll eat my words next week if that does happen. And I'm looking forward to the match. I think it'll be a really, really good match. And there's really not much more I can say on that. But we moved into the Battle Royal later on. And I think there was a perfect bit of storytelling to end this match. With the last three people in the ring being MJF, Jungle Boy and Orange Cassidy. And Jungle Boy kind of got his revenge on MJF from Double or Nothing, where they had an absolutely epic match and killed it. And Jungle Boy got to eliminate MJF, and he ended up winning the entire Battle Royal. And I'm quite excited at the fact that we've now got Cody versus Jungle Boy for the TNT Championship set up next week. And I rate highly that Cody is doing an open challenge every single week for the TNT Championship. I think it puts a lot of legitimacy to the title. It makes it a title worth fighting for and not just some mid-card title that no one cares about. And I think it's going to go down extremely well. I think it's going to be an epic match next week. And honestly, I can't wait. I think next week's Dynamite is absolutely stacked and... It's going to blow it out of the water, in my opinion, and I'm really, really excited for it. The The night ended in the Inner Circles pep rally, and this segment was good in the first part, in my opinion, but it just got really weird towards the end with Mike Tyson coming out, and... I don't think it was needed. I know that they're probably building up for a Chris Jericho versus Mike Tyson match in the future, but the way that it was portrayed and he came out, Mike Tyson came out with this entourage of of people, boxers, MMA stars, and this one guy dressed up in a white T-shirt and just had black paint down around his eyes. And... It was something that you could not take your eyes off, and I feel like it distracted from the segment a lot. And then Mike Tyson just randomly ripping his shirt off and starting flexing in Chris Jericho's face and and saying all these weird things, and he just he looked like he was almost having a seizure, and he didn't know what he was doing or why he was there, and 
as I say, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me and it was a bit of a weird way to end the night. But, you know, if it leads to something in the future, so be it. But it just, as much as I love the inner circle, that segment didn't really do it for me. And, yeah, it just, none of it made sense to me really. Uh, Just the way that it was portrayed by Tyson and the brawl at the end, like the brawl in itself was great and it was an awesome like visual to end things. But just the way that Tyson acted didn't, didn't really make a whole lot of sense with the story. So that was the end of dynamite. And we moved to the last show of the week, which was SmackDown. Now this started with a Jeff Hardy angle that has been heavily debated in the wrestling world this week. And it was, Basically, a reenactment of all his prior DUIs from real life, which is a pretty touchy subject. And personally, I wasn't a massive fan of the angle. I think it was quite stupid. I don't think it needed to be done. Who who does it benefit bringing in his his real life struggles to to a show just for a little bit of an entertainment purpose? Just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And in all honesty, it was probably a bit distasteful, especially with what's going on in America at the moment and and everything that's happening. So I don't really want to touch a whole lot on it just because of how how much I didn't like it and how distasteful I really thought it was. So I'll leave it at that. But then we had Sonia Deville and Lacey Evans. Now, this isn't a pairing that I normally would like to see together I think that it's a bit of an odd couple pairing feud wise but I'm actually quite excited after seeing them do this this kind of like brawl I'm kind of excited to see where it leads because I I quite like Lacey Evans and I think Sonia Deville has a lot of talent as well and and I think that the two can combine well to put on some really decent matches and this match ended up with a double count out but just that little brawl to start off the feud, I like that. I think that's a good touch because you don't have to go over the top to start with. And I think that they can really build on it from here and build up a solid feud between the two, which which should be good. And, and as I say, I'm quite keen to see it and keen to see where it leads because this could have a lot of potential. And as I touched on at the start of this episode, you obviously had you had Sasha Banks wearing the Hanukkah armband and uh, Big E wearing the Shad Gaspard armband during their segment with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, the current tag team champions. And I think, as I say, I've already touched on it, but I think it's a really nice touch and the respect being shown in the wrestling community is great over this. So... We then get a promo that, or a vignette, sorry, not a promo, uh, a vignette that airs and Matt Riddle has been called up to SmackDown from NXT. Now, something that I actually forgot to touch on earlier in the episode was was pretty much uh, Matt Riddle's final match in NXT, and I don't know how I forgot to do that, but... It was uh, Timothy Thatcher versus Matt Riddle in an NXT fight pit match. And the match in itself was actually really, really good. And there wasn't any ropes. There was nothing. There was there was quite a bit of gore at the start with uh, Timothy Thatcher's teeth actually getting knocked out, 
which was quite gory to see and something that you don't often see anymore. But the match was actually pretty quick for how, how big it was built up. But I think that they got so much offense in that it didn't need to run any longer. And once you saw that Riddle lost, you you knew the call-up was imminent because it's not often that you have someone on the level of Riddle lose to someone like Timothy Thatcher. Not taking anything away from Timothy Thatcher, but you look at the two and you know that something's imminent. And that's where it leads into the call-up to SmackDown. So... We soon will see the original bro, the king of bros, on the blue brand. And it'll be interesting to see how they book him and whether or not they end up burying him. But I just, I pray and I hope that that they don't. And I guess time will only tell, but it does worry me given, given the track record of WWE and the call-ups that they've done. But, you know... Now, the last match of the night was Sheamus versus Daniel Bryan for the final spot in the Intercontinental Championship tournament bracket. And something that annoyed me was that they then had Jeff Hardy come back and be the distraction in the match that leads to Daniel Bryan winning. And it just, once again, it doesn't make any sense to me how they play on his his DUI thing and then they just bring him back randomly as a distraction for the end and just, uh, yeah, as you can tell, I just don't know what to say about this because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever to me and I think that it's quite stupid. It was just such a stupid angle. It didn't need to happen. They played on someone's personal issues in life and that just, that ticks me off a little bit and it, it makes it, Quite annoying, but the positive of this match was that Daniel Bryan has now advanced to the finals to take on AJ Styles for the currently vacated Intercontinental Championship. I'd like to see either of those guys have a good run as the Intercontinental Champion, so I'm not really fussed at who wins that, but I guess we'll see in the coming weeks. And that was pretty much the end of the show, which ends our week that was being the week of the 25th of the 5th, 2020. Now, it was a pretty big week in the wrestling community. Obviously, still a lot of heartbreak, still a lot of anger in the community. But, you know, as as we move on, we'll only get stronger. And I'm keen to see where the next few weeks lead us. So I will see you guys in our next episode. I hope you enjoyed this. Don't forget to head on over to our Instagram, chuck us a follow, chuck us a like on our Facebook page, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that we get up there and we can start reaching a wider audience. And yeah, I will see you guys on the next episode. Stay classy and take care.